yo. What's going on? Hey, nothing, bro. What's happening in the world, man? This is uh, this is the weekend, man. This is the weekend where a lot of things is going on. Like, uh, what's going on? I know the city's got to be. There's got to be parties on top of parties going on in the city. Uh, I'm certain that there is. You said, I'm not aware of them, though. <laughs> I'm not a part of any of these these parties, these festivities. That's it. Um, but yeah, man, Philly, man, Super Bowl Sunday. I know. I know. Uh, no, yeah. do, 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 you, do, you, do you even care who wins? It's not your team. Like, do you even care? Uh, you know, I'm rooting for the Bengals. Wow, okay, okay. Yeah, All right, yeah. young Joe, Joe Shiesty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it, either way, it ain't going to affect me too terribly. But, you know, got to pick a side. So, you know, I'm going with the, with, the, with the Bengals, man. It's been a long time since they've been there. So, we'll see what happens. I'm surprised that I never thought – like I seen I seen Joe at, at LSU. I didn't catch all their games, but I definitely saw them. Um, I saw a few, you know, games and definitely a lot of clips. And uh, I never really, you know, I thought he was going to be good. Yeah, I thought when the Bengals got him, huh? Not that good, though. Not that good. I, I thought he was going to be good because from what I've seen, um, I was like. I mean, them getting Chase and and him together, I think, was a genius yeah. move. Genius, because mm-hmm. they had already had a relationship, you know, throwing the rock. Like they already knew what you know each other's tendencies was on the field. So it's like, why not? Get, I think many organizations can learn uh, a tip from that. Like, why don't you just do a package deal, like draft? The wide receiver, he he has like two to three. It'd be nice if he had four, but two to three years, you know, hopefully they come out at the same time. But it's like I think if you get the quarterback and the wide receiver that he's already shown that he he has, uh, you know, good energy with, man, let that rock. Yeah, you know, it's a copycat league, so you'll probably see it more. Only thing is that it's not always easy to be in a position to do that where you Facts. are actually able to take them both. They happen to be lucky enough to, to be in that position. But, yeah, I mean, you've seen how, how, how successful it can be early, too. So uh, you probably see it happen more often than it has previously. I, I'm surprised that that was never a good idea. But to your point, I think uh, – when you look at the lottery, right? You know, cats. You know, they could have won the chase, and the team right before them could have saw chase. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then also for both players to be, um, you know, a very high talent as well, because you know you may have a chemistry on the collegiate level, but the wide receiver or the quarterback just may not have that skill. To be able to be successful on in the big stage or on the big stage, so we've seen you know, it many times. Yeah, we've seen it. We've definitely seen it. Killer it's college quarterback comes to the NFL, yeah. dud. Dud. 
Yeah, it's not it's not that transferable. So it it it's you know you know they're in, they're in my division and they're in the AFC North and uh, you know they destroyed us this year. <laughs> they, they destroyed us this year. <laughs> and uh, was not nice to see because both of them were like horrible losses, you know, in a losing season. But those were probably the worst losses we took. And um, yeah, it, 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 you know, it it was the little brother uh, scenario. Um, you know, everybody's got that brother, or you know, everybody. Well, people that you know, they got younger brother than them. You know, I'm sure you've seen. You'll you'll be the dude will be so much bigger than his little brother. And you kind of assume automatically like, oh, this is the older brother. This is the younger brother. Younger brother can't be bigger than the older brother. Like somehow the, the it just doesn't work out that way. And then one day, you know, you and by the way, when y'all when y'all have y'all goals, like, you know, when it's like fighting over remotes or fighting over TVs or whatever, you you dust him easy because you're older you're stronger whatever and you're it's easy and then one day one day you know got a little hair on his face you know you know jumped a few inches you know uh in height you know over a summer or two and you look up one day and when you telling you know talking crap to him you're like all right you know pick you up and throw you down the steps and it's just like whoa 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 what happened that's what happened with the Bengals, man. They were getting dusted every year. And, you know, years upon years of them having <clears throat> all types of quarterbacks that didn't work. And uh, since Carson Palmer, for all the people that really follow <laughs> the Bengals, you know, last, I guess, I, don't, I can't remember when he started playing, but he was like their last prominent uh, quarterback. Um yeah, you, know, you don't count the Dalton, huh? <laughs> uh, you know what? It's so funny because the Dalton era, they thought then that they had it. Like, they thought then they finally got their guy. And uh, I think he's after Palmer is Dalton. And I think and yeah. they thought Dalton was going to be the guy. He never became the guy. Um, True. But Joe came in, and, I, you know, I – while I don't like it from a competitive standpoint, because it is in the AFC North, they won the AFC North, which is something that either we or the Steelers, either the Ravens or the Steelers will win. To see the Bengals win is like, oh, my gosh. Like they whooped up on both. And by the way, for all the Steelers fans, they whooped up on both of us. I don't think either one of us beat the Bengals this year. You know, they had ran the AFC North. And so – um, you know, I say all that, all that to say I, I, I don't have hate against the Bengals. Uh, my rival is really the Steelers. Uh, but in certain conversations, you will hear like Bengals, you know, you know, they feel some type of way. And I, and I get it. I like Joe Burrow, though. I do like Joe Burrow. I really want his. Uh, if they happen to win, which is very possible, uh, I, Rams on paper should win. But if the Bengals happen to win, because they, they do got Chase and Joe, and that's a bad – and their defense is solid. Um, I'm not mad if Joe wins. You know, I'm not mad at it. He seems like a cool guy. He seems, you know, Joe Shiesty. You know, Joey <laughs> B. 
But he seems like he, he's a cool kid. So hopefully, you know, hopefully that, uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, I'm looking forward to this halftime show. I want to see, you know, it should live up to the hype, but, you know, anytime somebody gasses up something this, this There's high. There's so many ways that it can, there's so many different ways that it can play out, to be honest. I think that um, there's a lot of anticipation around it. One thing we do have to remember is that the halftime show is only a limited amount of time, and they are jamming a lot within that section. Now, I do I do have faith in Dre to handle it correctly, but there's different ways that it could go. Uh, either way, it's still going to be historical and monumental uh, for various reasons, but um, I'm just I'm looking forward to seeing it, but I'm not getting my hopes up super high because it is just a halftime show. So you know how that can go. Do do who do you think leads? Do you think they start with Mary, or do do they jump out the window with still Dre? Like do you do you you just jump out the window with st- still Dre? I feel like they should end with Dre, but they may not. I don't know. There's so many different ways to slice it. A lot of different ways. It's going to be interesting to see how they incorporate Mary at all. Because, you know, she's the only R&B act on the bill. So it's going to be interesting when and how they jump into the Mary section and jump out of it. Um, Jump in and jump out. I think it's going to be quick. Yeah, I think so. I think (laughs) think it's all going to be quick. But I think they're going to have a special section for Snoop and Greg. They should. They should. You got to do L.A. correctly. They should. And, you know, this is an L.A. team, even though, you know, they were in St. Louis for a long time. But the L.A. team um, in L.A. in a home stadium with the L.A. halftime performance or heavily influenced West Coast L.A. halftime show. So I would think that they would end it properly. Here's the million dollar question. Do we get what is what has been rumored to be? <laughs> you know, and you know where I'm going. Rumored yeah, to be the long awaited Kendrick Lamar first single. It, it can't, the word around the campfire is that we're gonna get the first no cut, which I mean, from a marketing standpoint, I mean, you got the, I don't know. I mean, the eyes, you know, the numbers of people that are going to watch the Super Bowl. Like if you wanted to start your, um, your rollout, I mean, there's no better way to start your rollout than to do it at the Super Bowl. Absolutely. There's no bigger stage. There's no time where more people are going to be paying attention to you. Um, especially, you know, those who may not always pay attention to you, you know. So it would be the time, although, you know, there's a lot of speculation, but no, there's been nothing concrete at all to come out, especially not from that camp, which which is not. Yeah, strange. the usual, but, the usual. Yeah, that's per usual. But, it, I mean, there's no better time to do it, and we know he's coming with music, and we know this is a big performance, so, I mean, all the stars are aligned, but 
You never know with TDE. They never know. Never know. Like, you know. But I, I have to say, I have to think, I have to think as a label, even they got to come to a meeting room, the higher ups or the, the, the brain trust of TDE. And they may feel like, you know, because they're, to me, like, they're one of the labels. I can't, I got to think of another label. I'm sure there's another one. I can't think of it right now. To me, TDE is one of the best quality control labels. I think of, you know, they're definitely somewhere in the top list. Because their quality control, like, the way, the way they will have you sit and keep working and keep working and keep working uh, until they feel like the record's hit. Now, I probably um, Kendrick, Schoolboy, trying to think of the, the, the early group. I mean, Ab. Ab Soul. Ab Soul. You know what I'm saying? Uh, which I, I really, I'm looking for a record from Ab. I, I really, I'm a, I'm a big. Uh, I rock with Ab. I really rock with Ab. And, um, you know, we had uh, checked out Ab that time uh, in the city. Yep. In Beatemore yep. City. Same time you know what I mean? Earth Game for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. Un- Yo, you know what's crazy about that? It's like I wasn't deep in the – I didn't I, – I heard some records, but I didn't like – I wasn't like listening to Earth Gang heavy. And they did a pretty good show. They did. And you know, when I found out later on was that that was one of their first tours. Wow. And they've never, wow. and they never got paid. They didn't even get oh, paid for that. They did the, <laughs> the early, the grind, grit, your teeth work. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So, yeah, we saw them extremely early. Yeah. Yeah. And they did an excellent job. I'm, I'm, and I like that, you know, and I'm jumping, uh, but I I hope that I hope that Kendrick, um, I hope I I hope that they put out a record. I think the brain trust of them is gonna at least have a conversation with them. They I don't see them saying, "Hey, yo, K Dot, like we need something," because they're not that type of label. But you can't tell me that they haven't had some type of conversation of like what percent are you at as far as album completion? Do you have a record that even though you're probably going to work until the, the, the last hour, um, do you have a record that you feel is strong or at least early? Cause I don't even think he needs, he don't really need a strong, like what we would say prototypical single. Like I think he, it would be a good idea cause you can't pay for this type of advertising. I feel like, it's a good idea to have something that's a little jab. It's not, it don't have to be a solid jab, but like a little, you know, even if it was a minute 20, you know, of something to give to the people. Yeah, I would think so. You know, Kendrick, it's hard to really say because the last effort that we really, full effort that we got from him is damn, right? And that's five that years was ago. So long ago. Yeah. yeah. It was so long ago that whatever happened then, you can't even really compare it to now because everything changed. Yeah, so sounds. Much the sounds. Yeah. So it's really hard to even 
the bitch. Now, this is also the last TDE album as well. That so, is crazy. Yeah, I never thought. I would, you know what? That makes me think about how many albums was he signed to initially. Yeah. I feel like it's got to be like at least five, right? Yeah. You know what I think? I think what happens, you know, well, you know, when the artist is successful, they always renegotiate anyway. Yeah. Well, typically they will renegotiate. But I think they ended up counting that untitled as an actual album. Smart. For the Smart. That's what I would think. If I was Kendrick's team, I would do that anyway. Since it did technically come out, um, then I would consider that part of the obligation, you know? Um, but yeah, I would think it would have had it been a five album contract, at least. But being that it's the last CDE effort, you know, normally a record label, when it's your last project, they're not necessarily fully invested. Yeah. No but promo. No promo. <laughs> Limited budget. <laughs> You're on your own, kid. Uh, but with TDE, because they are so family-oriented, um, and because that's their flagship artist, even though it isn't their first artist. Um, or the J-Rock. <laughs> right. I have a feeling they're going to do him, him correctly. I've also thought about if I'm if I'm TDE, okay, you know, okay, maybe we're at we're at the end of our album cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and TDE to me, I, I think they're extremely innovative. I gotta uh, listen to Punch uh, his group, uh, Wall of Mirrors or Hall of Mirrors. It's something. Oh, yeah. It's got uh, I can't think of the other uh, Grant, um, Nick, Nick Grant. Yeah, they got Nick Grant, and they got a couple. I want I gotta check his stuff out because, um, he, he's he, he definitely you know he's got some rapping. He's he does a, you know Punch does some rapping. So I want to I want to check that out because I, I want to see where they go sonically and just see all of that. But to me, I feel like if they're I think their brain trust could be thinking like, yo, we could keep Kendrick going. It's possible that he could just continue to keep going. Like he could have a Jay-Z career where he puts out many albums and, you know, he just has a long discography and it's all for TDE. I also have an idea of where they go like, hey, since that's what people think he would do, why don't we do something different? You know, like, why don't we, you know, people think we're going right, let's go left. And why don't we now expand? Because already TDE has deals with other labels, like Isaiah's on, um, I think, RCA. I think Scissor's uh, on RCA. I think. Yeah, he is. Um, yeah. yeah, and I'm um, trying to think of somebody. But they've got deals in other... I think I think Schoolboy is still Interscope. I think Schoolboy is Interscope, but they they got uh, they got more than just Interscope. They got deals in other in other buildings. I'm thinking to myself like maybe they felt like hey, I don't know what um. Can you remember what their uh with the label that uh because they got Baby Keem 
on that on that label. Is that Columbia? I don't know. He's definitely not on Interscope, though. No, which is which, which is smart, um, you know. For Kendrick's sake, you always want to kind of dip and dabble in different pools, of course. Yeah, don't stay in the um, same yeah. building. Don't stay. In it, the same it is actually Columbia. Yep. Yep. And they got, and I think that they, uh, Dave Free, his uh, his manager or you know his best friend, whatever, like yep. they got that label. Um, PG Lang with uh, Columbia. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking like, but if what if what if Top Dog is also behind that? Mm, you, do you think that it's, that could be the case? It's possible. It's you know I I now I feel that way, and I also feel like. Dave Free, you know, I've seen a lot of interviews with him, and he seems like a guy that could run a label. He may, you know, because he left TDE to, I guess, create his own thing. But every time right. you see stuff like that, you're kind of like, I wonder, did is he creating his own thing, or is this a way to kind of do branding in another way? Because TDE is signing up, they're signing a lot of new artists as if they're they're putting a new crop of TDE up. Cause you got, I can't think of the other guy's name, um, but they got, they got like, uh, they got a couple. I mean, they got a couple artists that that's outside the first crop. I just think that it yep. it, it is possible that TDE could be thinking, hey, let's have um, almost like how Rockefeller had, you know, Rockefeller had the the, I guess, Hispanic. I think it was Latino Rockefeller, something like that. You know, where they signed Nori and he put out that reggaeton album. Uh So, you know, I just feel like it's a way that they could be just doing some, some very branding, you know, different, you know, let's, let's not make it just, you know, we've hammered TDE for a minute. Let's see if we can do some different things and still come back to TDE. But my other thought is, if I'm day free and 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 Kendrick, you may get to a point like, okay, he's helped your label, right? He's done his part. To say he has to be signed forever, I can also see TD not being like that. Like you know, he did what you know what you know that he had one time when he was on on. Like I feel like around damn, you gotta think not only damn, but he put out the black uh, the Black Panther soundtrack too. He did. I mean, he put a lot of work in. So if if he decided, I feel like TDE is one of those labels. We know, ladies and gentlemen, we know that this is rare. A lot of times, labels are not willing to let you go. When, you know, they feel like they didn't get their investment. Yeah, I think that they more than got their investment out of Kendrick for sure, and. Um, I think I think it could also be just Kendrick just wanting to spread his wings and do his own thing, you know. Um, which we we see a lot of artists get to the point where they feel like they've done all they can do, where they started. Now it's time for them to expand and and do other things. And you'll never go. Yeah, he was never going to be um, in control of Top Dog Entertainment. Yeah, that was never going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, no matter what. 
he still was going to, you know, have to answer to somebody. So I think um, in order for him to really actualize his vision completely, you know, he may have felt like he needed that freedom. Uh, you know, of course, artists don't always make the best business people. But yeah. we'll see. We'll see how that shakes out. And then we'll also see what happens with, with Top Dog because, you know, I mean, they've had a lot of success, but it has slowed down. It has gotten more quiet over time. Um, just overall as the label yeah. continues. They still, you know, Scissors, of course, very big. Yeah. Um, you know, Isaiah Rashad, you know, he's had so much critical success. So, I mean, they're still moving, but it's not quite, you know, where it was before. Yeah. And, 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 I think a lot of people forget, like, um, you know, Snoop Dogg just acquired Death Row um, not too long ago, like a couple of days ago. And I released the album on Death Row, crazy enough. Like, I was like, wow. I looked at it at the bottom of the joint. I'm like, Death Row Records. I'm like, wow. Like, that is crazy. Like, that, I, you know, to those who grew up in that era, when you see that, you're like, what? That is crazy. Uh, the last album that you saw from Death Row was like All Eyes on Me. So it's like, it's crazy to see. But um, it's it's interesting. I think I think that I, I, Death Row had a run. And even when we talk about Dr. Dre, you know, he's legendary OG stat. Look at how many runs he had since the late 80s. To, you know, 2000s. I mean, it's all, almost through all of, since the late 80s to now, he has continued to have something, someone underneath his umbrella. Or, I mean, right now, people don't even really think about it. Anderson Pack is signed to Aftermath Records, ladies and Aftermath Entertainment, whatever, Aftermath. He's signed to them. So he's still, you know, he may not be in the studio, and he probably is on some level, but probably not like how he was back in the day. Anderson's, like, killing the game. Like, you know, Anderson just put out an album with um, um, Bruno, Mar- Bruno Mars, and that, that seems to be doing very well. But this is still Dr. Dre, ladies and gentlemen. He still has a hand. So, you know, he's still getting – he's still in the game. So I, I just think that's incredible. But I think one thing that Dr. Dre did – and I think TDE can learn from that. It's just never locking your brand in to just one thing. Like, okay, it's Aftermath and it's just Aftermath. But Aftermath, you know, branched off to G-Unit, branched off to Shady Records, branched off to, you know what I mean? So it's, it's even if they're not directly business involved, like a lot of these things wouldn't exist without said person who also is connected to Dr. Dre. It's true. It's true. There's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of fruit from that tree. A lot. Way, uh, that's influenced music since you know the mid to late '80s, man. So insane. Um, insane. It's it's incredible when you go back into the history. I'm 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 interested to see a doc that's just focused on Dre. I know they did they did the one with Jimmy Iovine in there yeah. a couple years ago. Which was great itself, 
But it'll be interesting to see one that's focused solely on Dre's entire career from the beginning. Exactly. Like World Wrecking Crew to now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was a crazy time back in the day. World Wrecking Crew to now. And it's like, you know, he he deserves the flowers, man. Like, he he really has uh, maintained throughout it all. And um, I just saw this interview on NBC where it was like there was it was just it was um Dr. Dre, Mary and um Snoop doing promo and you could just tell like you know he really is enjoying you know I know you had some health issues maybe like last year or the year before and and, and just to see he looks like he really is taking it in like yo like you know sometimes you do so much work for so long that you like, right. you know, you get you're in the you're in the program, you're in the routine, you're not even thinking about. But I think, uh, you know, it looks like he's enjoying, like the whole zone of being able to kind of be, yo, hip hop, L.A. as you were saying, and just being able to bring um, into homes all across America. Just that, you know, this is also, you know, what I mean, sometimes I hate when halftime shows, like when they come up with these acts. And they kind of still describe hip hop as like the stepchild or like not directly, but indirectly. Like, you know, yeah, if we had like a country artist and we had, you know, and that's that's a part of the music thing. Also, you know, it's it's one of the most dominant crazy. It's one of the most dominant genres in radio. Like, I mean, country is usually it's got to be top 10. Like when I used to watch stuff like that, it was country's heavy. But it's like that's not that's one side of the. I mean, it's you know America is multifaceted. Also, you know it's very multifaceted, and hip hop to me has gotten to the point where this is this is American culture. Like it should not be treated as okay. We're adding this extra thing that hasn't really proven that it's a part of the actual. It is in the fabric of American culture. You know, it's a part of, yeah. you know, there's country, there's R&B, there's rock, there's hip hop. And it's no high, low. It, they're on the same playing field. And I, I feel like this, obviously, there are going to be people that don't feel that way. But I think the generation coming up, up, uh, up after us, for them, this is normal that hip hop is, is on a big stage. Yeah, I think that's where a lot of people are putting so much stock into this halftime performance because it is monumental, you know. And, you know, in one way you can look at it as like a a landmark event for hip-hop, for hip-hop culture. Also, you can look at it as, well, why did it take so long? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Dre said that, too. Dre said that. That should have been happening a long time ago. It's weird that this is happening now. And it, you know, the background as to how we got here, mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, it had to go through all those twists and turns for us to even get to that point with, you know, Jay-Z having a deal with the NFL, just all of the other stuff that, you know, we all are familiar with. It's interesting that it would have taken something so drastic for us to get to this point where it's just like a, it, it's like a no-brainer. As you said, you know, rap, Rap and hip-hop music is the biggest genre in music, and it has been yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Also, when in terms of just pushing the culture for it in general, uh, it's just 
it's had it has its tentacles everywhere in society, and it has for a long time. You know, the people that are adults now and middle aged people now grew up on hip hop, so for it to take this long for there to be a in quote hip hop halftime show. You know, it speaks to a lot of different things about this country. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, yeah. we don't have time for it today. But, <laughs> no, that, facts. You know, facts. That it, it, that it took what it took for this to happen at this point in time, you know. Um, and I'm glad you made that point because. Um, so, Robert, let me get it right. Robert Smith, Robert J. Smith. Um, it, no, you know what? I don't think Robert J. Smith is trying to buy it. Well, they, they said, well, before, before this week, I think either last week or maybe the week before that, they did mention his name. They also have mentioned, uh, I think it's Byron Allen. Yeah. Byron Allen. Good job. And, uh, and Robert F. Smith. Robert F. Smith. Uh, apparently put a bid in, which... I'm wondering why they have they didn't just do it together. That's what I was thinking about. Why, yeah. why would they just put their two their money together since they seem to be the two guys that are in a position to do that? Message. I don't see why they just collaborate and just you know put it together. And of course, we know right now, as far as the field goes, the NFL itself. That would be a, a wonderful look for them. That would just, you know, fit right into what they would want to do. You would think, anyway, yeah, from you a would PR think. right now, for there to be black ownership in the NFL. Um, who's to say what it can, whether it will happen? Because, you know, it's a billionaire's boys club, you know, so yeah. they can decide whether or not you're worthy enough to join the ranks of them or not. You know, um, also heard something about John Elway has proved and a few other people, Peyton Manning. So there's a lot of competition to buy the Broncos, but if if there was ever a time um, for it to be appropriate for there to finally be black ownership in the NFL, I can't think of a better time. Absolutely, and I th- and I really think ownership is. It's key, you know, like you said, there's a billionaire boys club. And, you know, I think we, we've seen that it's, it's all about keeping the machine going. And um, why would you stop if it's working for you? You know, why would you adjust anything if it's working for you? You're, you're succeeding in it. Um, to help somebody else, you know, you would have to be thinking of other people other than yourself. I, I, you made a really great point. And I think that this is something, this is the next level to, you know, b- black people that have money, you know, or resources of, have access to resources of a lot of money. We have to get to the point that we, we work together. And I know it's difficult because, you know, we're not a monolith. We're not all, we're, yes, we are African-American, but we're not all the same. And, you know, sometimes, you know, our differences can make it where um, it's hard, you know, like, you know, we see those two brothers and we say, oh, they should just work together. But, you, you know, there are other dynamics in play. But I do think that 
to accomplish the goal. If if the NFL is what, um, you know, look, you know, you don't have to go far. You drive in any neighborhood, you're going to see kids, young kids playing football um, all across the United States. And you're going to see, if you talk to those kids that are really in it, all of them want to go to the league. All of them. All of them want to be, you know, on the screen tonight. You know, they their dream is to be in the Super Bowl. Their dream is to be playing a game that they love and getting paid for it, you know. Um, so I, I don't think that this is going to go anywhere because it's just so much, so many systems that feed it, whether we're talking about the college system, whether we're talking about high school systems, uh, you know, it goes into little kids, you know, depending on where you live and depending on what where you, you know, what clubs you put your kid in. You know, this thing could be a, a rocket to getting to the NFL if, it, you know, things fall right for you. Um, and, you know, most of them won't make it. And uh, I think that we as black people have to at least, um, if it's possible, um get a um get a seat at the table now um the only i i do i do think yeah we got to get a seat at the table but if we decide not to get a seat at the table um we could create our own we could do that i think you have to have some and I, that we don't have enough time to get it because because that that conversation like why do you i was having a conversation not too long ago like we were talking about like the white flight and like the times in which redlining and all these things like, you know, neighborhoods, neighborhoods were made to feel like you were missing out and you leave the black neighborhood, which in some instances, if you got kids, you want to put them in good schools, whatever, whatever. There's other things in play. But you I said, you know, to the person, I'm like, if you leave that neighborhood, right, you got the resources or you got the job. You leave that neighborhood, everybody's not going to be able to leave. Everybody's not going to have the things that you have. And that neighborhood falls apart because the resources of that neighborhood um, leave it. You're not you're not you're not putting the resources back into the actual neighborhood. You're taking it away. But part of that taking away was you looked across the river and you looked over there. and You're like, I want that. Because they're denying me that for the color of my skin, you know, and just, you know, who I am, right? So, you know, as a black man, I can't, I don't have a right to be here. I don't have the right to have any of this. So now I want that. Um, if we as a black people have a, dis, a, a conversation where we say, you know what, we're going to create another league. But here's the thing, like, it's a lot of stuff to that. Like, there's money, there's contract deals, there's, you know, it's a billion dollar industry on the other side of that. Everybody would have yeah. to be committed to doing the other side of that to kill that. And I don't think we would see that. I just don't think we got enough. I don't think we well, ever did, but I don't think we do now. Well, that's what I was going to. Um, I was going to ask that um, as a question to you in terms of if we speaking of black ownership in the NFL, let's say it does happen. You know, and the Broncos are sold to a black ownership group, or you know, there's black owners involved. 
uh, in this purchase and they become, you know, controlling partners of this organization um, or that particular team, it's still one of, what, 32? True. So, yes, it would be a, a major accomplishment, but that doesn't solve the problem. Like, just having a seat at the table in of and in itself is an accomplishment, but it doesn't necessarily eradicate all the issues because then, you know, you're still in a super minority. You're True. still severely underrepresented. We get into, you know, the 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 next level of the conversation is that okay, well, now you have black ownership. Now, are you obligated to be the person, the, the organization that brings in the black coach and the black coordinators, and the, you know, are you obligated to run your organization strictly that way just because you're the black owner? You know, good or point. You, the business owner, you good know, point. Like the, the business owner would. Um, and does that does that take away all the initiative to ensure that minorities are? you know, interviewed and so forth and so on. Like, do they feel like the NFL now feels like they're off the hook? Because, oh, well, we met one of you guys on a team. Now it's mm-hmm. over. It's are good. we square now? Are we good? Yeah, exactly. Are we good now? Exactly. So you get into that, that next level where it's still, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Just because you gave us, one little, just because we were able to achieve, not even that you gave us anything, we were able to achieve one um, goal doesn't mean that all the rest of the goals go away now. Uh, so, it's interesting. We'll we'll see how it shakes out, but, you know, in the end, just like the redlining or gentrification conversation or whatever, individuals, humans, in general, make selfish decisions in their best interest. Facts. And it's very difficult to ever get a human on an individual level, um, especially, and then you think about on a, a collective level, to all move in one way at the same time, you know, that's like, you know, not that it can't happen, but it takes something major uh, for everybody to, to move on the same accord. You know, and and sacrifice their individual uh, goals or aspirations for the greater good of the collective. You know, that's facts. That's facts, and I, it will be it will be very interesting to see if um, if if they can really figure out a way to acquire the Denver Broncos. And I, and I hope that, like, you know, huh, it's crazy that we're talking about this in 2022. But I hope that if they do decide, I I, I don't want to see them actually necessarily just, you know, I want them to hire the best talented people. Um, and I want them to be open. And I think that's really an issue in it. That is the issue in it. It's, to say that there's only one group of people that you're searching for talent, well, that's you know that's that's not being fair to everyone. So, I, I would hope that if they do get the Denver Broncos, I don't want them to necessarily do the thing where it's like, okay, we got a black quarterback, we got a black uh, head coach, we got a black uh, OC, we got a black D 
DC, you know, we got a black special teams coach. Because then it's like, okay, bro, I get it. But now the pressure is like, you guys get you can't you guys can't win one game. You guys can't just win two games. And by the way, just because you got great coaches and they're African American doesn't mean that you're going to be successful. It's a lot of things that go into a football team being good. And it's not always, you know, yes, the coach, head coach is very important, but it's a, it's a lot of variables. It's, it's, you know, your drafting has to be really good. You know, your, your systems that you do, your DC and OC, the, the systems that they implement have to be good. You have to have a good play calling, you know, guy, like you have to have a guy that not only can, come up with the offensive system or defensive system, the play calling in, in, in the actual game has to, he has to be a great play caller. And um, I just think I, I would hope my, my, what I would do is I would just um, expand the pool and, and take a real, like, since we know the deal, take a real look, a good look um, at all the talent. Pick from that talent. If it happens to be that they're both black, that's cool. But I wouldn't mind them kind of like really just expanding. Like, hey, this guy's Samoan. My DC is Samoan. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. like I don't. I think I. I think I've evolved a little bit in the sense that I understand what we're trying to do sometimes, but I also don't want. I. I don't like to play the actual uh, thing in which people are expecting me to play i'd rather just be like yo i run a business in which i look for the best talent that's you the- know what I, I assume that they would just because they are both of the gentlemen speaking about our ex- extremely successful business man. yeah so i would assume that they would just do the best thing in the interest of the business but i think sometimes you know people Use it as a scapegoat. Like, I, when during a conversation of the Brian Flores lawsuit about the NFL and the discriminatory hiring practices, I saw more than one commentator bring up the fact that there are um, black GMs now. There are well, actually a couple of black GMs that were hired recently. And, you know, they were quick to want to take the blame away from the other teams and hey, well, there's black GMs and they didn't hire a black guy either. And it's like, well, just because I'm black doesn't mean I have to be the one to hire somebody black. That's and black you hit the nail on the head, bro. That's what <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about. That's exact. And by the way, what you're talking about, I, just a quick thing, I'm sh- there are barbershops. You know, we, we, we got love for the barbershops. But the moment that they so like if Denver Broncos is owned by you know it's a black ownership you know own priority you know prior you know can't think of the word primarily uh, by black people owned the expectation in certain rooms is hey now that you're in invite everybody you know hire only black people and it's like. I understand where that's coming from, but I, I, what you said is where I'm talking about. Like, I think it would be even more respected. And they're two guys that run business. Like, it's not even about cult. Like, they run businesses. So, 
I think that they would run it more like a business. I mean, it is a business. I don't think that they would just hire black people to then make a point that, hey, we're a black, we're a black owned team and we hire our own. It's like, okay, why don't we do what they're not doing? And and that's casting a wide net for talent of all races. Yeah. You know, I don't care if the coach is Asian. I don't care if the coach is uh you know European. Like, I mean, he, he could be from Finland. I don't care. Like, I just think that you know, th- these other teams and something I heard in a in an interview, uh, they were like showing how they, they showed the number of how many of these teams, like the coaches are relatives. These coaches are relatives, oh, yeah. you know, this there's like Absolutely. hookups but like it's nepotism. It's nepotism. Nepotism, a hundred percent. What it is is really a microcosm of society at large. Absolutely. What we're seeing with the NFL is exactly how business operates outside of the NFL. Absolutely. It's just there's so many eyes on the NFL, so we actually see it in real time. Yeah. And it's so egregious because the vast majority of the actual talent on the field is black. That's the only reason, or one of the main reasons, why it's even a conversation. But that same thing happens in corporate America, everywhere, in government, everywhere. That's what happens. And so, you know, innocently or not, you know, when you're hiring somebody who's familiar to you or literally is family to you, what you do, whether you're intending to or not, is you cast off everybody else may be just as talented or more capable or talented um and how likely are those people that are within your network to actually be of a different background than you not likely at all you know you're hiring the guy that reminds you of your uncle well well, guess what color your uncle is it's just like where does your uncle come from you know and so even if it's not explicit it's still a bias there and then Very you know you end up with the same result. But um yeah, we went off on a tangent there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it definitely definitely went off on a tangent. And uh but no, that was you made my brother, you made very great points because I think that those points are really you you hit the nail on the head, like that is the issue. And we hope that uh you know, it, once the Super Bowl is over and everything settles down that um you know we'll see some changes you know well you know we'll see you know i i'm i'm in the we'll see mode let's see let's see you know we got one in texas i think lovey smith got the head coach job in there i think somebody else got the head coach job somewhere so we'll see what happens um uh i would i have to end the show uh with the 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 record that the time that we're in uh you know, a record came out, and uh, it has been making some steam, you know. And I'm surprised because this artist usually, to me, I could be wrong, he puts out, I feel like he puts out records in the fall, like, or you know, like winter, fall. You know, it's kind of coming upon spring, you know, like next month. Um, if you don't know, you know, this guy, you know, uh, you know, push, you know. Uh, Pusha T, uh, VA Beach 
own Virginia Zone. Uh, came out with a record. Uh, Diet Coke. Um, shout out to whoever's doing, you know, his his marketing. Like whoever's, you know, coming up with these, uh, uh, you know, the cover to the record because it mat it actually looks similar. It, it might be the same guy who did his last album cover because it look, you know, it looks similar. The the type of styling that uh, that they're doing. Um, and I, I researched that this is the lead single Diet Coke for the new album. Uh, it's not dry yet, which I ha, when I, when I googled that, I was like, "Yo, what?" All right, it, it's on. It's on brand. It's on brand. It's not dry yet. It, it's on brand. Not dry yet. You know, it, it, you was looking. Uh, no, no, no. It's, it's still. It's still not dry. You know? <laughs> yeah. To those, you know, take that information. Do thou what you will with that. Um, but what I was really happy about was uh, this beat is produced by Eighty Eight Keys. And this beat was produced 18 years ago. I, I, I just, I just, I really rock with that because it's like, you know, people, you know, to all the producers, it's like, don't delete your beats, man. Don't, you know, you know, keep those beats because you never know. You know, it's not always about the newest beat. Sometimes it's just it didn't hit. It didn't, you know, the right person didn't get the beat yet. And, uh. Um, I'm glad that 88 Keys is getting his shine, and um, I guess Kanye West produced. You know, pre- I'm sure he added something to it, but I'm sure that beat is basically 88 Keys's beat. Like, yeah, I, I'm not. I hate that. You know, like it's like when somebody when it's like one producer and then it's another producer. You kind of go like, is did he really? I mean, it's Kanye. He could have. But yeah, you never know. You never know. You take the drums out here and put these drums in. I mean, he could have did that. He has done that. But I'm giving 88 keys shine because 88 keys is I like 88 keys, um, and he doesn't. You know, he doesn't get the shine that you know he should get. And um, yeah, congratulations to him for getting a a first single on the Pusha T album. What were some of your initial thoughts when you first heard the single Diet Coke? And just, um, yeah, when you heard that, like, what was your thoughts about, you know, what you were listening to? My thoughts were exactly what you mentioned. It was right on brand. <laughs> you know, uh, and, you know, to be fair, to, to be honest, Pusha T has been consistent from the beginning since we've heard him. He's literally been as consistent as you possibly could be. <laughs> as an artist and uh I felt like it was right on brand. I, I was um I was excited because, you know, the last his last album was Daytona. So, you know Crazy. It's been a minute since, you know, he put out anything. And uh um, when I first heard it I was like, Yeah, sounds like Pusha. Sounds like the subject matter and he's leaning right back into what he does. Um uh, in a in a in, in a good way, isn't it? interesting because he does always give you what you expect but he keeps you engaged and interested even though he's he's still giving you essentially the same meal every time is he he the first guy to be able to do that like that no well he's probably one of the best 
he's probably the yeah because a lot of artists do what they do yeah but over time it usually you usually get tired of it you usually want to hear something else and for whatever reason he's the one he's one of the few who can continue to keep giving you the same sort of subject matter um and you still want more yeah you know crazy which is, which is a very skillful thing because I don't know how he, I don't really know what he's doing um, that allows that to happen, but it works. It works. Insane. Insane. Like, and, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, while we know Pusha as a single artist today, you know, he, you know, prior to that, he had, he had a career as part of a duo called Eclipse. And so to, to 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 really have an artist um, make a couple, I think they, you know they have a couple albums as the clips. You know, Malice retires, he starts to be a solo artist, and he's now as a solo artist had a couple albums himself. And uh, it is amazing to see somebody be able to just evolve, but not evolve. At the same time, you know, and you'll see on Twitter, like, cats go, yeah, you know, it's, it's push, but you know what he's going to rap about. And sometimes you'll, you'll see answers, you know, if it's him or somebody who supports, you know, or rocks with him, they'll go, yeah, but you, you know, it's going to be fire though. It's like, all right, but it's true. It is true. Like, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued to hear what this album will sound like. Um, production wise, uh, you know, I think since we know what the what the subject matter will be about, we have no doubt what the subject matter will be about. Make no mistake. But I am very interested to see um, what production wise he, he where he does where he goes. You know, there's going to be some Neptunes. You know, it's going to be Kanye. I'm debatable on the Kanye thing. Like at this point in his career, I'm I don't I don't like the produced by Kanye thing because when I look through the credits, I see all these other producers and I'm like, is he actually on the drum machine or is he taking beats and just moving them around, moving stems? You know, like that is production too, but it's just like, yo, this is look, I'm holding Kanye to a standard from probably I shouldn't be. From you know college yeah. dropout, I'm I'm holding him to a standard of nigga. You know you got the drum machine, you got the drums, you got the uh, the, the keyboard, like the ASR ten. Like nah, man, if you're not doing that, I, I do feel a way on some rap nerd ish. Like yo, yeah, you're producing, but you know like the ADA keys thing. Is he, did he, did he put the scratches on there? Maybe did he decide like, oh, yo, you should put Fat Joe in here, which was a dope thing. You know, probably Fat Joe was not on there. That probably was a Kanye thing. Great. I'm not taking that away from him. But you know production. Like when we talk about the drum loop and the way he chopped the scent, that's, that's 88. So it's like. Well, and for me, I guess because. I'm guessing because you are, you know that Kanye can do it, that you want him to actually do it. Exactly. To receive the credit. Exactly. Um, 
for me, because I know we can do it, it's not really that important to me whether okay. he did or not. Okay. Because we've already seen him do it. It's not like he's somebody who's just putting his name on something and we don't know that he has talent or that he can't actually work a beat machine and everything else. He, we know he can do that, you know? Yeah. Um, and he gives people credit. I, I'm, I, I just want you know, he gives say. people credit. That's what I was going to say. We know he's definitely going to give you credit or he's going to give people credit. We don't know. You know, we don't know the ins and outs of anything really, but we know that he's not definitely not shy about giving people the credit, even if it's thirty writers on the song. Exactly, sure everybody gets credit. So, you know, it's interesting because I I heard that there's Neptune's and I heard that there's Kanye, but I don't know if it was well, it half Kanye, half Neptune. And if that's the case, then how does that work together? Because you all know the Neptune's have a very Unique sound, yeah, uh, which works very well with the clip, but does it work well? Good point. With with Kanye production too, does it Good go point. together? Good point. And I don't so think it does. Interesting to see how it how it blends because we've heard we've heard push on Kanye, we've heard push on on you know Neptune beats, and he sounds great on both. But when they're put together. Yeah. Especially coming off of Daytona, which was such a well put together album, you know, um, it'll be interesting to see how how it blends. But um, it, it's got to be coming soon, so we'll see. We'll find out sooner than later. Um, last thing I did want to touch on though was the uh, the video. Yeah. So video uh, for Diet Coke, very obvious ode to Puff Daddy in the bad boy era. Uh, what were your thoughts about the video and why you think they chose to go with that particular style? You know, it's very uh, interesting. I, uh, so I've seen clips. I haven't actually seen the video. Uh, um, but the, from the clips I've seen, I can see that they pulled from, uh, I guess it's like Flavor in Your Ear uh, with Craig Mack. And uh, yep. and and Puff and and, and um, Bad Boy Records. Um, from what I've seen, I guess it was just something to kind of like hook you in. Like it, you know, the song itself. It's like once again it goes back to the original uh, premise or the original point. Like it's him rapping about what he likes to rap about. But then, like when you're doing a video, it's kind of like, well, you could be creative in this. You could. You kind of gotta find a way to be creative to to get somebody to watch it, um, because it's not like if this is a song about girls. Okay, we know we, what we gotta do. Like we need to shoot at the beach, or we need to shoot like in a restaurant, or we need to shoot in in a studio with lights and explosions or whatever. Like we can find a way to make it interesting because the subject matter and what he's talking about can make you know it's just about. You know him and just his perspective or whatever, whatever. But it, stuff like that, when you just rhyming and and, it, and just rapping and rapping about what you rap about, but just showing your wizardry as as a as a as an artist, um, as a lyricist, um, you kind it kind of it it constricts you and doesn't at the same time. So I thought it was very smart, even from a marketing standpoint, like with Kanye being like cut. 
and adding his Diddy dancing to to different songs. You know, like you know, they got uh, "You Don't Know What You Got Till It's Gone." Revolt did that, and um, uh, it's Ricky P. It's Ricky. He uh, he put out one. I forgot what record he he put underneath uh, underneath uh, Kanye. I forgot, but. He put a record underneath Kanye, and I'm sure that this will, you know, he will be, you know, this will happen more often, you know. Uh, so in that, you made it viral. Um, people are entertained to see it. Puff even talked about him doing his dance. So I think, I think it, 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 it worked. It did what it was supposed to do. What did you think? Because you saw the whole video. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I thought exactly what you said. It, it did what it was supposed to do. It was, uh, well, for younger people, they may not have even known what the reference was. Crazy. But uh, I think it was dope to just tie in that 90s era um, into now, which is super classic now. Um, and, you know, Kanye just kind of showing that he's fulfilling that role on side of, you know, push. So push is basically like this. In this instance, and then, you know, uh, Kanye would be fucked. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought it was, it was good. It was a nice little old. I, I felt like, um, you know, videos don't quite often get a lot of friends if you don't have anywhere to watch videos like that. Exactly. So it is a good way to pull people in. And uh, get them interested in you know what what they have going on. So I thought it was I thought it was a good look. It was a classic classic um, look and feel. And uh, of course, because he's such a lyricist, it's like okay, um, it, it goes well with the, the tone of the music. So I thought it was cool. Definitely interested to see what the second single will be. And definitely interested to see just the rollout. I'm very interested to see the rollout. Uh, Pusha doesn't get enough credit for the creativity that he he pulls from, uh, even in the rollouts and everything. Like he really does um, on the low. Like he really is very good at being creative um, on all fronts with putting out this music. And uh, he's gotten better. Like he back in the day, I feel like he put the music out and he just put the music out. Um, and I think over time, I think Daytona was like the, the, the time where he really, there was a lot going on, but he really learned the art of like all the other pieces to putting an album out and, uh, he mastered them, you know, he's doing them very well. And I hope it sounds like the next level sonically of what Daytona was. Um, it doesn't have to be exactly Daytona, but I want to, I want to get that, you know, I'm rapping and there's no hook. Or I'm rapping it. Like, I thought Daytona, like, if you want to look, ladies and gentlemen, at at someone masterfully creating a body of work, I feel like Daytona, and it's to them. It's not, um, and what, and I'll give Kanye that. Like, as he's a genius in that. Like, he's a genius producer. But I, I feel that with that album, if he did play a part, I mean, he played a part, but if he played, like, his most major part, um, if he told Pusher, like, yo, I'ma chop the hook in. I want you to not make like complicated hooks. 
Because, like, I want you to make the verses complicated. Or do whatever you want to do with the verses, right? Like, do whatever you want to do with the verses. Do all the all the wizardry, all the all the plays, all your different moves. Do all your moves. And one moves, all of that. When we get to the hook, make the hook to the point. Make it to the point. Because that's your best... That's your best move. Your best move is that there's no fluff. Everything you're saying is to the point. It's direct. You know what he's saying because he's saying it very clear of what he's trying to say and the way he says it. And it's like, yeah, like if you know, you know, you don't, you forget the hook is not, there's no, like, it ain't no four bar, you know, it ain't no um, eight bar hook or something like that. It's not, it's not, it literally is. If you know, you know, and then there's all these chops in it, and then he goes into the verse. Like I think that that's a Kanye, you know, thing where it's like he is the, you know, really producing, and I think that that's why Daytona is like to me his best album because it's just the best of what Pusha T does. Like it's his best. It's like if you other his and his other albums are actually pretty good too. I got all his albums. His albums are actually good. They're really good. But I think what makes Daytona so good is that it's it's somebody really producing him and really at the least guiding him to, hey, we're not going to, we're not going to. And I think there was an interview when I read something about if it wasn't this album, maybe his previous album before this, someone talking to him about, hey, we're not going to try to make you where, oh, yo, like, if you listen to the clips, like, like, they was always rapping, but Neptune's a genius at songwriting. So they would rap, but then they would have, you know, grinding, you know what I mean? Like, it, you know, and then, like, and, and grinding's crazy because, you know, it's like they, they got that, that uh, I don't know if it's called the B section, grind and you know what I keep in a line and, 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 and you see it like me shine and grind it. Like, and then he goes into his verse, that's genius production. Genius like, yo, this is what we're going to do. This is the song. I need you to rap in between these and then we're going to make it catchy with that with that nice little I want to think like a B section or whatever. Like that is and I think with with niggas that can rap his this is my opinion. You don't have to be necessarily like a masterful songwriter. Let that nigga rap. Just have somebody formulate it around something catchy and then and 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 it can work and I think Daytona is a great. And I to your point what you said before I think I think Pusha is better on Kanye records. Like whether it's him or his team, I think over time I've come to like Pusha on dark sounding beats, dark moody beats, or you know, dark samples and loops. I think Neptune's it's cool because that's all I've known and that's what I first met them with. But I feel like Pusha as a solo artist, his best work is 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 dark, you know. And I don't know if De- Neptunes have ever been a dark producing. They do it, but it's they never. Can it. They can do it, 
Because Keys not Open Doors is crazy. Yeah. Keys Open Doors is crazy. Keys Open Doors is crazy. They can do it. Now, if they give him that, no, I okay, I'm going to change my statement. If they give them that, is that was on that clip second album? Keys Open Doors, yep. Hell Hath No Fury. If they give him Hell Hath No Fury beats and, and, and Kanye does his thing, now, I don't know if the master would be how do you put those two sounds together because they're sonically very different, even with dark, like, sounding beats. Those beats don't sound, they don't, they don't mesh well, in my opinion. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm trying to figure out, um, how, how they're going to actually put it together for it to be a cohesive sounding album. So, because, you know, they tone is like the epitome of cohesion. So, Crazy. like, you know, coming off of that, and I know that you, of course, as an artist, you would want to go into a different direction, you know, and having that previous chemistry with the Neptune, of course, and that those being the people that even brought you in the game, I mean, how, how would you say no, you know? Yeah, yeah. But it's going to be interesting to see how they do it, how they put it together. Um, we'll see. We'll, <laughs> we'll see. see. We'll... But it was definitely a, a great first shot. Yeah, he, he Pusher, you you've been doing you you know P- Pusher is a legend, man. You know I'm gonna give it to him. Like he's been doing it for an extremely long time, and uh, we're both excited to see what his next effort, uh, you know, his next album will uh, what what that will sound like. Do you have any uh, any last thoughts? Any things that you that you any motivational things? Anything you want to say to the people? Like you know. Well, just speaking of music in general, it's gonna, I think it's going to be a very interesting year. I think we are primed to have a lot of the heavy hitters uh, come out with something major. So I'm looking forward to this year in music overall. I think it's going to be very interesting. Okay. Okay. I agree. And I, you know, my, my, my uh, conclusion thoughts, Cole is on a run. That's what I want to say. Cole is on a run, and y'all gotta, y'all gotta, ladies and gentlemen, y'all gotta respect that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that we have far too long, you know, seen nice Cole, and he'll dip out a little bit and show you some things. I think that uh, he has been on a tear. Not this, not just this year, but and this year's early, but last year he's had a lot of features. He's been outside. He disappeared. But he's been outside making a heavy claim as like, yo, I'm that I'm that nigga. And um I just think that, you know, I'm very intrigued of how many features is he gonna put out this year? Is he is when is what Kendrick is about to put out, is that gonna is that gonna mess with how they're gonna go about continuing what they've been doing? Um but even if, you know, Kendrick comes and just shuts it all down. I still believe that the Cole run should be respected. Cole is one of the top three. Um, right now, I got him at the one. Kendrick is on the way. We will see what he comes out with. I don't have any expectations that it wouldn't be amazing. 
Um, but let's see how it fits to today. You know, because we know Kendrick could come out with a whole jazz album. Like he doesn't care about what <laughs> he does not care about. One guy that you know doesn't care. Both Cole and him don't care. The only guy that really is caring about the current sound is Drake. But if we talking about a guy that just does not care about either one of them, they kind of much more about what I'm doing now. So it could be a whole jazz album, and and you know it's gonna be I I, I believe <laughs> it could be him. Purely jazz instrumentals and spoken words. Yeah, yeah, yo, <laughs> let me tell you something. I always use like Good Kid, Mad City to Pimp. I did not like Pimp when I first heard it. I know, ladies and gentlemen, I know y'all. Y'all like, oh, no, oh, what are you, what are you doing? I'm a guy that listen to the mixtapes, and I'm a guy that I I need to see. Like, I'm a one, two, three, four, five, maybe skip. You know, six, maybe skip seven and eight. I, I I'm cool with variety, but when I'm looking at your second album, I'm looking. I'm okay. I listen to Good Kid, Mad City. Just the sounds of what that was. I wanted to see. Okay, level two. What does that sound like? And he was like, No, you don't get that pimp. And I was, and I, you know, I liked the first single. Um, very smart first single. Um, the King Kunta, I love that record. Um, love the video too, man. Shouts out to Director X. That I think he directed that video. That was a very great rollout. And um, I wish I could have went to the show. Like, like very sonically dope album. I never thought it was a whack album. It just wasn't what I wanted. I wanted no. off of Good Kid to Mad City. It was a hard left turn. Hard. Thank. Now in hindsight, it was perfect. So perfect. Time, perfect. <laughs> perfect. I'm not gonna be one of those people that say, "Oh man, I listened to Pimp." Some people did. I listened to Pimp, and yo, like I was just like, it's no different than I'm from the school of like. When we hear, I can. I'm cool. I'm open to hearing stuff that's different. It's just like it's almost like if I, if you go to. Bird King, and you expecting the Whopper the way you tasted it. And maybe they come out with a version 2.0, and you're like, oh, it's close to what I already knew. Imagine you go for a Whopper, and it's a chicken sandwich. You're going to be like, bro, I wanted a frame-broiled burger. How did I get a chicken sandwich? Like, it it was... So, but in in time, it it was a genius move. And that's why I said earlier, what I was saying to you earlier, I'm like... Yo, if he does come out with a single, I wouldn't be surprised if it was jazz, influence, whatever, because it's like, yo, he's that type of guy. I now I didn't know from one to two because all his mixtapes were kind of on the one thread. You know, it didn't really kind of go off to what, you know, Section 80 and Good Kid, Mad City are not that far off. But Good Kid... To pimp is a jump, major, major jump. Like it's like whoa, section eighty, good kid. You're like okay, all right, I'm following you. I'm following you. Left turn, which makes damn so genius because he was like, oh, y'all thought I can't make these records too. Damn, just I'm just making slam and hit records like bank to bank to bank to bank to bank, and um, mm-hmm. 
Um, I, I I went on a tangent, but Cole's having a run, and I'm interested to see if Kendrick does drop his stuff. Does he slow back, or does he say, "Yo, I'm 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 with it. Let's 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 go. Let's just do it." But um, thank y'all for listening to this podcast. Uh, we appreciate uh, the listen, and uh, y'all stay safe out there. And remember, you know, you, you got what? to. Yeah, damn it. Man, did that perfectly. Perfectly. I need to get a sound by the perfect. <laughs>